Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Here in Matthew chapter 4, uh, earlier this week I, I was doing just my own, uh, my own personal reading time and I came across the scripture and uh, it's just been on my heart all week. And when Pastor asked me on Friday if I would minister this morning, uh, I mean, it, it was the it just went off on my day. I just can't. I personally, I just can't get away from it. And uh, I know we're running a little short on time this morning, so I will endeavor to not be an Anderson and keep it as short as possible, uh, but still get the point across. But uh, you may have to give me a couple minutes if, if that's what it requires. But. Um, um, well, we'll just start here reading, and um, I'll try my best to stick to my notes so that, uh, that I don't get too far off here. But uh, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. I believe that's how you say that. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun, or Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon, who has, and upon those who sat in the regions in the shadow of death, light has dawned. And then verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I tell you, this scripture, when I got to verse 17, just in my own reading, uh, you know, last week, last Sunday night, I ministered uh, just a a chapter over, but uh, I went back and was kind of rereading some things before that. When I got to verse 17, this, this scripture just went off on the inside of me. From the time Jesus began to preach and to say, or from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I want to talk about two things here this morning, repentance and the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I know this morning Brandon asked me, he said, are you bringing the word today? I said, yeah, I am. He said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, repentance. He said, oh, dear Lord. And uh, it's a subject that I know a lot of people maybe might shy away from, but it it is, there is such liberty, there is such grace, there is such help, there is such power, there there is so much in the message and the truth of repentance. It's not a minor, it's a major in the kingdom of God. Notice when Jesus started his ministry after leaving, uh, being tempted by the enemy in, in, the, in the wilderness, he began to go about everywhere saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you go over to, to Acts chapter 3, uh, in Acts the third chapter, I'll let you turn there. Acts chapter 3. Pastor just finished a series end of last year where uh, uh, he read this scripture often and read this. It was kind of a keynote of the, of the series he was doing, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Notice what I said that the message of repentance is not a, it's not a bad thing. Now, worldly repentance and the, and the way the world approaches repentance is not a positive, but in the kingdom of God, it is a positive. It's liberating. Notice here it says, repent. Uh, uh, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Why? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When we look at this, without repentance, there is no time in the presence of the Lord. Now, there is nothing cooler out there 
There is nothing more important, nothing greater in life, nothing that will satisfy any more than the presence of the Lord. That is what you and I were created. That is what the human race longs for. It is the thing that, that the human race is after. They just don't know it. They try to fill that need with all these other things and have gotten everything into a mess. But if you go back to why we were created, it was for the presence of the Lord. We were created for the presence of, think about that. You and I were made for that. We were hand fashioned to be in, spend time in, dwell in, live in, enjoy life in the presence of the Lord. We are made to hang out with God. That is awesome. But in order to spend time in the presence of the Lord, in order to be able to approach that because of the fall of man, it wasn't the original plan, but because man messed up and we've all messed up, right? Because of that, man was not allowed to have access, could not approach the presence of the Lord, but through repentance and conversion, they go hand in hand, through repentance and conversion, one has access to the presence of the Lord and it is refreshing. It is refreshing. And so the presence of the Lord is a, major, is a major issue. The kingdom of heaven is a major issue. It's, it's, it's the foundational things, and repentance goes hand in hand with that. This was the second message that Peter spoke to the Jews after, after the day of Pentecost. The first one, of course, had 3,000 people born again. And then the very next message he preached to the Jews was about repentance. Repent and be converted. You might say, well, you're no Peter. Actually, I am. That is my first name. So this falls right in line. This falls right in line. This was Peter's second message to the Jews. Repent and be converted. And so the subject of repentance, like I said, is not a downer. But, you know, God has been, he's been so faithful and he's so good. And I am so excited about what's next. I'm really looking forward to what next, what's next. You know, when you begin to, when, 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 you, when you start, it's one thing when I, I used the analogy last week or last Sunday night of going on a journey and, and making your plans and getting things set up. And, and our prayer has begun to, the prayer that's been going on here at Impact now, uh, uh, corporately and individually, has been laying the ground for work for a great journey. Uh, Enoch walked with God. He went on a journey. God is taking us on a journey. And so we've been praying out the plan of God and praying out what's next and where we're going and, and, and the next step and the next thing. And so it's exciting, but there's nothing as exciting. It, it, the pl- preparation stage and the planning stage, it's important. But when you start moving in that direction, suddenly it gets real exciting. Now it's not just something off in the future. It's something for today. It's your plans that you've been making and laying out. They're now, you're, now you're going from the plan planning stage, you're moving into the enjoying stage. Plans are great, but the best plans are the ones you get to enjoy. The best plans are the ones you get to experience. And so God's been taking us on a journey. He's been moving us, and, and we've begun to see some things. We've begun to experience some things. And good, the good news is God wants us to see and experience all of it. There is nothing that he's holding back. There's nothing that he wants to keep from us. He's wanting to get everything to us. He's wanting, he's wanting us to experience everything. The Bible says that if you're born again, you're complete in him. That you have everything that pertains to life and godliness, right? Isn't that what the scriptures say? As far as God's concerned, it belongs to you. But actually experiencing it is a whole other thing. Enjoying it is a whole other thing. 
See, God has plans. He has purpose. He's got design and desire for each of us. But it's not just to have a plan. It's so that we can enjoy it. And I'm excited that we're getting there, that we're moving in that direction, that, that, that God is faithful to take us from where we were, and he's moving us on to where we need to be. And we will continue to grow and continue to move and continue to step up well, the whole time we're here, and we're going to get to heaven and blown away that it gets even better. But we're on a journey, and it's a good thing. But repentance is huge. Repentance is a major, major, major. Go with me to uh, Psalms chapter 51. I just want you to notice here what the, this was written by David. Now, does anybody know what God said about David? What kind of man David was? What was that? God described, not other people, God described. Ooh. How would God describe you? How would God describe me? See, God's description of us is entirely up to us. Now, he loves us. His thoughts and his plans towards you never change. They're settled before the foundations of the world. He loves you. But as far as what kind of person are you is entirely up to us. God said of David, he said he was what? A man after God's own heart. So there's there's a whole lot in that, even that statement, being aware of the time David lived in and that David was a man after God's heart. David knew some stuff. David saw some things that other people his day and his generation didn't understand. David saw some things. He saw some stuff. But God described him after a man after his own heart. But notice what the man after his own heart, his attitude, his way of looking at things. In in Psalms 51, the 16th verse, it says, talking about God, it says, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. Now notice, that was the law of the day they lived in. He lived under the law of Moses. That's what they were commanded to do. But David, a man after God's own heart, saw things a little differently. He said, you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. Notice, the sacrifices of God are a broken, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. He said the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite, repentive heart. These, O God, you will not describe. Repentance is huge. And it's not something that we should shy away from. It's something we should run toward. I have, you know, last last winter retreat when we were uh, in the mountains on our our trip, uh, people have asked, you know, what all stuff did you talk about? Can I be honest with you? The subject repentance was a major one of the things we talked about. Steve said it was huge. It was a big part of what we discussed and the things that the Lord brought to our attention. And, and, you know, when people hear what God has to say, and if you embrace it, it will, it will cause times of refreshing. It'll open up the kingdom of heaven for you. It'll unveil the plan of God before you. It'll make things clear that were before not clear. And so repentance is huge. It was something that we talked about and we stressed. Listen, we're living in a day where men and women of God, people who claim to know him, need to maintain a repentive heart about things. We all know that we have failures. We all know that we, I'm, Paul said, you know, uh, of sinners, I am the chief of them. Among sinners, I am, I am first. I am, you know, I am the head honcho of, of sinners. We've all made mistakes. But Paul was, was a person that when he saw the light, He responded to that light. When he saw the truth, he recognized it as truth. And he didn't run from it. He ran to it. He embraced it. He made it a part of himself. He changed himself to line up with the truth. 
And repentance is just that. Now, now I'm going to read to you. This is what, according to the Vines Expository Dictionary about Matthew chapter 4 and the word repentance. This is what it says. It's a Greek word, and you know, I I don't know Greek. Uh, I did take classes on Greek, so I know more Greek than some. But anyway, uh, metaneo. It's sad. I've forgotten so much of that. I haven't been diligent. to. We were learning to write Greek and all kinds of stuff. Have you kept up with that? No? Have you? No? Well, praise God. Y'all pray for us. But anyway... um, uh, repent is, is the Greek word metaneo, M-E-T, if you're taking notes, which would be good, M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. I wonder if that's the root for Oreo, because O-E-O is in there. Anyway, but anyway, um, oh, whew, ah, Shandai. Uh, repent, metaneo, it signifies to change one's mind or purpose. It signifies to change one's mind or purpose. In the New Testament, it always involves a change for the better, an amendment, and always includes the repentance of sins. See, when people think of repentance, they first of all think of the repentance of sins, and that is part of it. You know, sin really ought not have a place in the life of a believer. That was weak. Sin really ought not have a place in the life of a believer. Maybe if I say it a third time, we'll agree. Sin really ought not have a place in the life of a believer. Now, we are all human and we all sin. We all make mistakes. Now, now we, we understand that it's not a license to sin. It's just reality. While we're here, we're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But we still have to deal with it. It's not a permission to do whatever. You still have to deal with it. The teaching of grace that, that has been talked about, that you don't need to repent from your sins once you're born again, God forgives you. No. Then 1 John 9 shouldn't have been written then. The, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit made a mistake when he instructed John. He, he just... He had a senior moment, <laughs> or maybe he hit his head, or, or, you know, maybe he was distracted by something else. Hope I didn't offend any seniors in here, because I, at 41 years old, I want him to go there. But anyway, I've had a few moments myself. Uh, praise the Lord. But anyway, I've had a few moments. Well, you know, the Holy, because they say that God is the uh, ancient of days, so he maybe just forgot what was going on. But anyway, no, we know that's not true. He said if, you, if, we, if we confess our sins... Who sins our sins? Talking to believers. If we confess our sins, talking to believers, that means they're already born again, yet they still have sin in their life. If we confess our sins, the good news is he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful and just to do that, but we still have to deal with it. Sin in the church is something that that as the Lord, there are some things we don't need the Lord's direction or we know, we just know better. But as we begin to see things, we have to deal with it. If we want to experience a greater measure of the kingdom of heaven, if we want to experience a greater measure of the presence of the Lord and the refreshing that comes from it, then we have to make adjustments on our end. He doesn't adjust toward us. He's already done all the adjusting he can do. He has adjusted heaven and earth for us. He has adjusted and caused a very distinct line between light and darkness, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom uh, of the enemy. He's made, a, he's made the adjustments. We just have to get in line and figure out where we want to be in that adjustment. And the measure to which we make that adjustment and make these changes and do these things really will determine what we experience. You know, I've said before, it's been said before around here that, you know, uh, as a a believer, as individuals, our relationship with God is our own walk with God. My walk with God is my walk with God, and it's going to look like my walk with God. Now, we've talked in the past about things that will be evident in everybody's walk with God. That ought to be passion, zeal, hunger, right? That ought to be excitement for what God's doing. That ought to be present in everybody. But but my walk with God is my walk with God. And 
It can be as close and in, in, as intimate and as intense and as personal and as real as, real as I want it to be. Because just like in the Old Testament, he, he was hovering over the face of the deep. He's still hovering over the face of my life looking for an opportunity to hang out with me. Right? That's why he didn't just scrub the human race after Adam and Eve and start over. And suddenly dogs were now the plan of God. No, it was the human race. He stuck with us. Why? Because he wanted to know me. He wanted to know you. He saw you in the future and he, he, he wanted that opportunity to hang out with you. So my walk with God is my walk with God. And so uh, in order for me to experience more of the kingdom of heaven while I'm here, you know, we've said before too that what, what is ours tomorrow is ours today. Once you're born again, you're a full-fledged member of the family of God. You're not half members or, or partial members. You're whole members, right? And so what belongs to us then belongs to us now. And what portion of that we experience now really uh, uh, depends upon what room we make for it now. What value we place on it now. What importance we place on it now, right? What, other th- what things we lay aside to have more of it. We can only have so many chairs in this room. Eventually, we're going to run out of space for more chairs, right? I mean, if we wanted to park, build a house in here, we'd have to make room to build a house inside. We'd have to move some chairs out of the way. Anything you want to acquire, gain more of, you've got to make room for it. Well, that's where repentance comes in. So my, my life as an individual, it, it'll be what I want it to be. But our, our walk with God as a believer, it's both. There's, there's two sides of this. He's come to make his home on us individually and collectively. And a home can have a feel and have an environment in your individual life as well as our collective home can have a feel and environment. Right? If you ever gone to somebody's house and you walk in, you can tell, oh, something just went down. Right? I mean, there, somebody just got into something around here. You can tell there, there, there's, a, there's a, a, we're spirit beings. We can pick up on it. Strife. Keith Moore at Ramah said strife is the manifest presence of the enemy. You can tell that the devil got, just got manifested a little bit, right? Well, what, what, kind, what, is our, what is the manifestation in our personal life? What is the, uh, uh, the flavor of our personal life? Well, the, it'll have a flavor, but our, our common fellowship, our church, our local body will also, have a, will also have a flavor. And so in order for me, my personal life to go somewhere, I have to go somewhere completely, I can't half of me go in my own wall. I can't part of me love God and part of me love something else. If I want more of him, I've got to, my, all of me has to go. Well, as a, belief, as a body, we need all of us to go together. We have to have all of us going in the same direction because God loves us enough. He's not willing that anybody should perish. He will cause us to wait for others to catch up. Now, in your personal walk, you can go as far as you want. There's a difference. But in our collective walk, we have to go together. It's the way it works. Why? Because we're, jo- we're members of one another. So the issue of repentance individually is important. The rep- issue of repentance as a congregation is important. It involves change, signifies change of one's purpose or mind. Repentance, change is needed to see, recognize, and participate with a new day, a new regime, a new domain. Repentance and change is needed. If we're going to move forward, we have to pray. Yes, prayer makes tremendous power. When something is available, does it happen? Is it happening when it's available? Available is what? Available. If you, have, if you check your bank statement, it'll tell you how much you have available in your account. Do you have it in your hands? Are you spending it at that moment? Just because it's available? No, you've got to do something to gain access to it. 
Repentance and change is needed to gain access. It's necessary. Sins and weights. Go over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews the 12th chapter. Where are we at on time? Oh, dear Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. As you're turning there, I'll read it to you. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sin is an issue that we have to deal with. Sin is, it's not something we should, we should shy away from. If the speaking, if the subject of sin bothers you, get to know the Lord Jesus because he dealt with it often. He dealt with it. It has to be dealt with. And so sin is something that we have to let wait. Why? Because it so easily ensnares us and it keeps us, if we're ensnared, we can't run with endurance the race that is set before you. Let me tell you something. Nobody here, nobody here wants to stand before the Lord Jesus. He's not going to care about what house you had. He's not going to care about, you know, what kind of car you drove, how, how well you dressed. He's not going to care about how many football games you went to. You might wish some of you hadn't gone to more, but anyway, or hadn't, hadn't gone to so many. But anyway, I'm just messing around. It's a joke. Anyway, we'll get off the gator thing. But anyway, he, he's not going to care about all that stuff. He's not going to care. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna wonder, what did you do with what I asked you to do? The course, the plan that I set before you, the assignment that I gave you, what did you do with that? That will be the most important thing because if you're there, you know him. But that's what he's going to want to know. You can say it this way. He's going to want to know, what did you do with what I did for you? What did you do with what I assigned you to do as a result of what I did for you? See, you think, well, what he's asked me to do is too huge. These things, there are things in my life that are just too big to, 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 to even address or even think about. Is it as big as what he did for us? Is what he did for us, it, 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 or anything that we come across, anything that presents itself bigger than what Christ did for us? Nothing. Nothing even compares. It's all kids play compared to that. So that's the most important thing. Well, sin causes us to be, it, it ensnares us, and so we, then we are not able to run with endurance the race that is set before, before, before us. Second Chronicles, I'll read this to you. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble the, themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them and heal, heal their land. Obviously it's Old Testament, but it still applies today. If there, if there's not, if there is lack of health in your land, if, there, if, there's, if you have unhealthy land, maybe it needs some healing. Maybe you need to humble yourself. Humility is huge. What is the biggest stumbling block from people to acknowledge mistakes and error in their life? It's the lack of humility. The, la- the, the absence of humility signifies the presence of pride. Right? If you don't have, you're going to have one or the other. You realize everybody has one or the other in their life, either pride or humility. You're going to have one or the other. Humility will lay things aside and say, you know what, okay, uh, I'm teachable. I'm open. Pride says, no, don't go there. Pride, we know where pride leads. Pride comes before the fall, right? Here's good news for you, good news for all of us. In any area of our life that we're in pride, we know that the next step of pride is a fall. Taking that step, the next step in pride is a fall. 
Well, if you're in pride in any area of your life, it's not too late. Make a change. Make an adjustment. Do an about face. Repent. Get out of pride and get back into humility. Well, so-and-so did this. So-and-so said this. Listen, we have, we have, we have a, 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 a high priest who's not sympathetic, who went through everything we did and, every, and bigger stuff than that. He still made the right choice. He still laid down his life. He's still there to help you. Listen, I don't care what it was. Don't be in pride. Take a step, make a turn into humility. Stay humble. Stay humble. Stay teachable. Stay open. The more I get to know him, the more I become aware of stuff in me that just ain't right. And sometimes there are things that I didn't even, I didn't even know was there. I, it wasn't like I made the decision to do this. It's just I'm now I'm in the light. When you turn the lights on, you see stuff in the house. Anybody ever moved, something moved, like sold a house and you went to move, and you moved a piece of furniture that's been there a long time? It's been in the dark, right? It's been in an area where there's not been a light. You can't see it real well, and you move that furniture, and you see dust bunnies with driver's license and social security numbers. They're so big, Right? Why is that? Because it's in the light. Things can, when in the dark, things can, can, can just not be right and, and they can go unchecked for long periods of time. Well, the light will cause us to, to, to see them and then we have to then take our vacuum cleaner of repentance and, and, and clean those things up, right? Our dust mop of turning and changing heart and humility. Yeah, that's a little gross, but I'm going to deal with it. I can't call somebody else to deal with it. I got to deal with it. Nobody keeps my house but me. Well, the Lord, he's sovereign. He'll do it. No, he can't do that for you. He's made a sovereign decision to give you charge of your own house. There's not the Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit mini-maid service to come to your house and clean it for you. You got to do that for yourself. They will give you the supplies you need and the expertise, but you still got to do it. Repentance, making a change. If my people will do it, he'll hear, he'll heal. He'll hear them and heal, heal their land. Thankfully, we've got the word of God. I'm, I know we're running short of time, and I really want this to be a one and done this morning. 2 Timothy 3, 15, it says, And that from childhood, speaking of Timothy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, notice that, that there's a purpose behind it. Remember when I said change or repentance is always for the better. It's never for the worse. It's never to get anything from you. It's to, to lift you up. It's to promote you. It says that the man of God, the result of this is that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, without these things, the word is our, is our tool. It's, our, it's, a, it's an asset to us. And so when the word begins to point something out, shine the light in the area of our lives, it's there so we can make correction, adjustments, change some things. Why? Because then it, it causes us to, what does it say, to be complete? It really, we're already complete. We see, we begin to walk in our completeness. And then we're thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just because it's in your account doesn't mean you have, you're accessing it. You need to access it to do the work. Repentance and change. Letting loose of things that would prohibit us from moving with him. And I, I do want to say this, you know, in area of sin, I know we, we're going to be the last thing to say about sin, but in the area of sin, say, well, this area of my life is just too big. No, you've been redeemed from the law of sin and death. Anything that the enemy or the thought would come, say, this issue has had too big of a hold on you for too long. You can never get free. Maybe you've had to ask God, you know, to forgive you 490 times in the same day. 
You as a believer have been delivered from the law of sin and death. You have been delivered. It is done. Just simply begin to participate with that. Begin to recognize it and depend upon that, the grace that comes with now being in the law of life and liberty to come alongside and help you. Amen. Weights, things that would occupy, sins and weights in Hebrews it said. Weights are things that can occupy our, our life and take up room. Not necessarily bad things, just things that take up more room than they should. Can I just say that if we're going to, as individuals, in your own individual life, if we're going to move forward and continue to progress, remember, whenever you get satisfied, that's when you'll stop. But if you'll stay, if there's hunger in you, even with hunger in you, Unless you make adjustments and make room, you still won't move forward. We can't watch 20 hours of TV a day and expect to have room for him. One of the things that the enemy uses to steal the word is the good life. Opportunities. What that is for you, that's your business. That's between you and God. Just know this, your business, you will answer for your business. The good news is you get to answer for your business and you don't have to answer for anybody else's business. I only have to answer for my own business. Thank God. But we, we have to make room for things. Weights would hold us down. So those are things that we repent from. We make a change on. What, it is in, what is it in your life? I mean, for me, I can immediately think of something that I can make a change on. When retreat last year, we were talking about these things. And, and immediately, you know, what is it that, that is, that's there? And so what are you going to do with that? Are you going to acknowledge it and make that change? Is it going to be a change that only happens in service because you're here? Or is it a change that happens when you leave here? So you change, but then you have lasting change. Real repentance is godly sorrow, not in the way the world has it, but you see it for what it is, and then you make the adjustments on it. Right? You do an about face, you turn on it. Repentance produces great things in our life. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll stop here in just a second. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Will you give me five more minutes? <laughs> that was weak. All right, well, I'm going to take it anyway. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 in verse 10. Pastor, they had all the stuff going on, the babies, it was wonderful. But we still need to get this out, right? In case you're wondering, I've only been going 29 minutes. We're on, we're on track for a miracle. It is the last days, folks. All right. We're going to be done in 35 minutes. Maybe. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Worldly sorrow causes you to, causes you to draw away from God. Godly sorrow causes you to run towards him. See, anybody tries to lay a guilt trip on you, does it... Does, does it does it cause you to want to go towards God or want to cause you to go away from God? You can judge a tree by its fruit. Now, the other side of that is, does it cause you to run away because you don't want to let go of things and there's rebellion in your heart? Well, then that you have to also judge that tree too, right? But godly sorrow causes us to run towards God. Verse 11 says, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. Notice what diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear... Notice what godly sorrow went on to produce. What vehement desire. You know what vehement desire is? I looked up vehement desire. It's strong, being strongly emotional and intense or passionate. That's vehement desire. Think about that. Godly sorrow 
Repentance will cause a vehement desire in you, intensely passionate. Do you have an intense passion for God? If you don't, maybe repentance is required. Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's a weight. Maybe there's just an attitude adjustment that needs to take place. Listen, nobody can take your zeal from God. Your zeal for God is your zeal for God. It belongs to you. Nobody can affect that. Nobody can affect, nobody can take that from you. It produces, as he said, what zeal, what vindication, godly sorrow. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Godly sorrow, repentance, change. You know, one of the things I talked about on Sunday night this last week was our hungering for things. We talked about different things we're hungering for. And so hunger and desire for God is really something that's up to us. It's up to us. Like I said, if you're not experiencing hunger and desire for the things of God, you know, repent. Maybe it's just your flesh is just speaking a little louder than it should. Make a change. Maybe, maybe you're being satisfied with other things. If the best meal in the world is laid out for you, if you just got finished eating at Steak and Shake, you might not want the best meal in the world because you're full on something else. I actually like Steak and Shake, but anyway. You know what I'm saying? If you're full on other things, you're not going to have a hunger for something else, the right thing. Well, maybe you need to turn away from this table, repent, and turn to that table. It's really easy. It's, I said it's really easy. This is a good subject. It's really easy. And it's well within our control. As human beings, we don't want to be controlled. Do you realize that God doesn't want to control you? He doesn't want to control you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to run with you. He wants to go on the journey. He wants to take a walk with you like Enoch. Woo! It's amazing. Hunger for God is a huge thing. Make a change. Make a change. Listen, like I said, nobody can take your zeal for God. Nobody can take your passion from God. That's entirely up to you to maintain. You can maintain it. You can maintain it. You can have it. I don't care where you are, what situation, what circumstance, you can have a love for God in every situation. Paul wrote the book of Philippians from a dungeon. He wasn't, he wasn't in just in jail. He was in a dungeon. Go home and look it up, the pictures of the cell that Paul was in when he wrote the book of Philippians. It was a hole in the ground, no windows. It was a dungeon. It wasn't Club Med jail. It was a dungeon. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. In everything with thanksgiving, make your request be made known. The God of peace. I mean, he was living on something that did not reflect his surroundings. What is it? He had a repentant heart. And because of that, he had zeal and hunger for God. Wow. Well, I just can't come to church and raise my hand today. Shame on you. Repent. Turn. Acknowledge who God is. You're not in a dungeon. As much as it may feel like one on a Sunday morning, it ain't. Right? Repent, repent, repent. Go over to Hebrew, or Romans chapter 12. You, if you've been here for any length of time, you know I love this. This scripture is huge to me. Romans chapter 12, 34 minutes. I'm, I'm probably not going to make 35. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Talking about change. Change in the way we see stuff. 
Romans chapter 12, I, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable to do something with yourself. If you're funky, clean yourself up. It's reasonable. Sometimes we get spiritually funky, don't we? It's reasonable to clean ourselves up. We do something about it. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice transforming your mind is making a change in how you see things. Except one truth that you did accept, now you deny it and you embrace another truth. Whether you, whether you understand everything, see everything, know everything, you still embrace what the word says. The Amplified says by, 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 by it's in the words, new ideals and attitudes. How often does our attitude just cause us to miss out on what God has? And we want to blame life and circumstances when it's on our attitude. I've been there. I like the story of the guy, that the, the grandfather that fell asleep at the house and his grandkids found the Limburger cheese. Remember, smelled Limburger cheese before. It is not pleasant. And they smeared a little bit on his lip, you know, and, and he woke up from sleeping. And he's like, oh, it stinks in here. And he got up and he went into the, into the other room. He said, oh, it stinks in here too. And then he went and he went in, into the kitchen. It stinks in here. And he walked outside to, to, to escape the stench. And he, the whole world stinks. The stench wasn't in the world, the room, the kitchen. It was on his lip. Right? Our attitudes will, will flavor and taint the, and mask and change what you, you ought to be smelling the presence the aroma of the presence of God, and yet you're smelling a foul stench that would cause you to run. No, make a change. Get it off your lip. Change the way you think. It's repentance. Don't let pride keep you out of what God has for you. Renewed mind is part of repentance. Matthew 11 says, 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When you come to the, in order to come to him, you've got to make a change. You have to make, it's, it's repentance. Make a change to come to him. You'll find rest for your souls, an easy burden. Life's not supposed to be difficult. Can you see where this is, this is not a, a, a a constraining topic, it's a liberating topic. You know, going back to, to, to Matthew, go back to Matthew chapter 4, the, the, like I said, this scripture, when I read it this week, it just jumped out at me and the pastor asked me to, to minister. I mean, I, honestly, I tried to look for something else because no pastor, no preacher ever loves preaching necessarily on the subject of repentance. <laughs> you know, because people give you crazy responses, but Drew's like, well, I don't know. I was like, is there something else we can talk about? No, this is, what was, this, this is what I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about, repentance. But notice it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, this wasn't a one-time deal. This is what he said everywhere he went. This is what he talked about all the time. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why did this excite me so much when I saw it? Because I, I'm, as we're moving forward, we start to see things we didn't see before. Things become in better focus that weren't in focus before. Maybe something that we just only saw here. It's good. You got to see it here first. But God wants us to move from seeing it here into seeing it here. This is our guide to make sure we're seeing the right thing. 
But we're beginning to see that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Think about that. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, 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 the margin of my Bible says, uh, has drawn near. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near to us. As an individual, the kingdom of heaven is drawn near to you. As a church, the kingdom of heaven is drawn near to us. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near. Can I, and, and when I read this, the thought came, if the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, then guess what? The kingdom of heaven is within reach. If it is drawn near, the kingdom, his domain, what he does. Remember, Jesus came to do the will of his father, the one who sent him. He came to heal the brokenhearted, set at liberty those who are captive, cap, captive, captive, to bring liberty, right? Free to the oppressed. Open the blind eyes. That's a total spirit, soul, and body recreation and, and new life. That is the work and, and the, the aim of the kingdom of heaven for us and through us. If it's near, if it's drawn near, it's within our reach. It's within our reach. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That, that these things are within our reach, my reach. You need to see it, that it's within your reach. It's within your reach. Repentance allows you to open your hand and take those things that have drawn near to you. They belong to us. The kingdom of heaven. We're still in his ministry of declaring the kingdom of heaven. Jesus went to do the works of his father, to display the kingdom of heaven. It's in our reach. I don't know if you can tell, but this excites me. This is the life of a believer. It's not just some old mealy-mouthed person waiting to get into heaven till the by and by. We're members, full-fledged members of the family of God today, right now. There is a kingdom of heaven that we belong to sitting here today. You and I belong to that kingdom. It is drawn near to us. Woo! Praise God. Repent, turn. Change your focus. Change your attention. If it's something you need to repent of and ask God to forgive you, he's faithful and just to do just that and, and forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He won't, even, he won't see you that way anymore. Move on. Move on into the kingdom. Lay hold of those things. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. The Lord had me write down this scripture as just a, a closing scripture. Deuteronomy 30, chapter 19. I'll just read it to you. This is out of the New Living Bible. It says, today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Every time we hear something, we have an opportunity to make a choice. To turn, to continue to turn, to move, to make a choice. In my life, I am responsible for that choice. In your life, you're responsible for that choice. Praise God, we're able to make the right one. We're able to make those adjustments. We're able to make whatever kind of change we need. If we'll do that, if we'll do that, if you'll do that, and as a body, if we'll continue to do that, we, we will lay hold more of more and more and more and more and more and more and more of that kingdom that is, that is drawn near is within our reach. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, we love you, Lord Jesus.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.